Hey, it's Kimberly, host of the Start Me Up podcast. If you like your politics with some loose talk and salty language, you're going to love my show. I interview the coolest people like Mary Trump, Kathy Griffin, and DNC chair Jamie Harrison. The Start Me Up podcast has an easygoing, casual style and a strong emphasis on left-leaning politics. We also have frank discussions about sex and more than a few spirited rants. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup or wherever you get your podcasts and start listening today. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. This is part 12 of our special coverage of the redacted Mueller report. Uh, in parts 1 through 9, we covered volume 1, and in parts 10 and 11, we covered the introduction, executive summaries, section 1 and section 2A. And today we're going to look at volume 2, section 2, part B, the evidence regarding the president's conduct concerning the investigation of Michael Flynn. I'm your host, A.G., and with me as always are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah, good. I'm doing good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm I'm hanging in there. Today was a long day. There was a lot of news. There was a lot of stuff. We got to do daily beans. We got to do. We had an interview for Friday morning with Jen Budd from Border Patrol, from former Border Patrol agent. Um, that's going to come out for daily beans on Friday morning. That was really um, eye opening, and uh, a lot, just a lot going on. Today. Yeah, you needed a midday nap. I took one. It was I, incredible. Oh, you dick. So, <laughs> it's never too late. You nap take one right now. Envy. Nap envy. <laughs> <clears throat> I have it. Woo! And then you have to put your arm up in the air. Oh, yeah. Is okay. that the penis heavy jingle? Pretty much. Kind of. Is or there did one? you just make that up? I just made it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it could also be the penis envy jingle. I like thought it was like a penis at the end or something. On a penis envy jingle. Because yeah. uh, there probably is one. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, as we know, during the transition, uh, Flynn spoke to the Russian ambassador, uh, Kislyak, about Obama's sanctions, right? And then he lied to administration officials who repeated those lies to the public. And then he lied to the FBI about those conversations as well. So he just lied everywhere. The DOJ officials informed the incoming administration um, that Flynn had lied to the FBI. Well, sort of. We'll get into it. But that Flynn had told the FBI the same thing he told the administration officials about his contacts with the Russians, which were lies. And the following night, Trump had his private dinner with Comey, asking him for loyalty. And a couple weeks later, Trump asked Flynn to resign. And the next day, Trump spoke to Comey again, asking if he could see his way clear to letting Flynn go. Mm -hmm. Right. So this section, which begins on page 24, ends on page 48, lays out all the evidence and then provides an analysis as to how this obstructive act meets the three requirements or not of criminal obstruction of justice under the federal criminal guidelines. And those three things are uh, an obstructive act nexus to a judicial proceeding or no official proceeding and intent. So we'll go over that. 
But part one is the evidence that Flynn discussed sanctions with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. So this lays out all the events we already know <laughs> that if you've been listening, if not, welcome. Um, first, that Obama imposed sanctions for election interference um, on Russia December 29th, where he announced the, the sanctions. And then the incoming administration, Trump, the Trump administration, exchanged emails about the impact of of the uh uh, sanctions and most of the team was at Mar-a-Lago including KT McFarlane but Flynn was in the Dominican Republic and they communicated extensively while he was there um, and she was in Mar-a-Lago about Flynn speaking to the Russian ambassador and there is evidence the administration discussed a strategy on possible responses from Russia but after all that after all the discussion Flynn called Kislyak the same day the sanctions were announced and asked them to not escalate a response like if you're going to respond do mm-hmm. it reciprocal not escalatable Mm -hmm. and then those words are not correct but uh, (laughs) you you know what I mean he then briefed KT McFarland on the call saying Russia was not going to respond with escalation and the next day Putin announced Russia wouldn't take retaliatory measures and as we know Trump tweeted great move on delay by V Putin which just is not a good way to say his name (laughs) V Putin yeah like if he were ever like uh, in trial it'd be something V Putin that'd be really cool though yeah V V Putin yeah the world V Putin (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) except for five other countries Uh, and Trump and then Trump said I always knew he was very smart so there was that tweet and then the day after that Kislyak called Flynn back to tell him his request was received at the highest levels in Russia and they chose not to retaliate in in response to Flynn's request so Flynn felt really good about himself and he briefed McFarlane on that call. And McFarlane recalled Flynn thought his phone call made the difference. Um, the intel community, in which he, sh- he should think that because Kislyak told him that. Mm-hmm. And the next day they decided not to. And then Trump thanked him. Um, and the intel community was surprised that Russia didn't retaliate and then found out Flynn spoke to them. And they already had an investigation opened into Flynn based on his Russia contacts. But Flynn's contacts with Kislyak then became a key component of that investigation because this all went down before Mueller was even appointed. Mm-hmm. So this is all part of Crossfire Hurricane, right? So the evidence for all this comes from the FBI interviews with Flynn, McFarland, McCord, that's, uh, oh, Trump's Twitter account, and Priebus, <laughs> as outlined in the footnotes. And I think it's great because a long time ago we would release these memes that said, you know, Trump's Twitter account would be used in evidence and we would talk about that and and here it is it's right in there yeah you're right wow the future is now the future is now yeah beans came true so him talking to kislyak though and saying that that's that that's not like criminal behavior well that's what we're going to find out because Ah. there were some things people were concerned about violating the logan act right uh which nobody's ever been prosecuted under in the united states but it, it does say that you can't act as a government official on behalf of the United States government if you're not in the United States right. government. when it was still the transition period. Yeah. And so no one's really been processed under this one? Like, it's never been charged? Never wow. been charged. Well, how many other laws are just sitting there waiting to be <laughs> accused? I know, I know. Yeah, the lost laws. Yeah, like the one in Texas that says you can have more guns than you can have dildos. I wonder, how, the, how do you enforce that? Yeah. Dude, I heard a stat by, okay, I'm so sorry, Bernie on Rogan. Did you hear about that? No. He did it yesterday or, oh my God. Oh, I listened to a little bit of it. But what, yeah. Yeah. I didn't just catch dope. anything. But he talks oh, about, yeah. he talks about guns a lot. Quick statistic on guns. Apparently we have, uh, we have, yeah, more guns than we have people. Yeah. 100 guns for every person. 100? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I did not know it was Yeah. That that's much. the stat that I heard. I thought and it was like 51 or something. I Either heard way, 122 specifically. And then the second country to have as many or you know like the second most is uh, Yemen with 44 per 
every person. So one twenty two. Every person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's the worst surf city ever. <laughs> yeah, it's just fucking crazy. <clears throat> yeah, and they're and Considering most of them are owned by seven percent of gun owners. Right. So they're all super concentrated. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um so that's where all the evidence comes from. FBI interviews with Flynn, McFarland, McCord, Trump's Twitter account, and Priebus Mole. Um, I uh, we've always said Priebus was the mole <laughs> in the administration. Turns out there were quite a few. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like a meerkat to me. You know? Yeah, like yeah. Huh? huh, 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 arms down, just poking oh. his head out. You know, oh, my arms don't work. Hiding. And- <laughs> uh, on to page. I wish you guys could see uh, what we're doing. On to page twenty-seven. Subsection two, the evidence supporting Trump having been briefed on the intelligence community's assessment of Russian interference and Congress opening election interference investigations. And this section begins with the Trump briefing of election interference and how after the briefing, we've talked about this, Trump was briefed uh, one on one by Comey about the P-tape, right? The very sensitive part of the Steele dossier. And Comey wrote about this in his book. Uh, Comey wrote uh, another contemporaneous memo after this meeting. He wrote uh, a memo which stated Trump opened the meeting by telling Comey he'd acted honorably over the past year and had a great reputation. He also told Comey he hoped he planned to stay on as the FBI director. This, of course, contradicts everything he said publicly afterwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, After Comey briefed Trump on the P-tape, as we know, Trump became defensive um, this part isn't in there, but Trump said he's a germaphobe, he doesn't like pee, and that he's so <laughs> awesome he doesn't need to hire prostitutes. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he told that to Comey. Uh, not in the report. I guess that wasn't really relevant to the investigation, I suppose. But uh, what Mueller did include was that Comey assured Trump he wasn't being investigated personally because he didn't want Trump to think of the conversation as a J. Edgar Hoover move, right? Um, and, and the reason he said that is J. Edgar Hoover did that to, yeah, so that's, he didn't want that to Wait, happen. Wait, what did he do? J. Edgar Hoover did that to the president at the time. Mm. He he, it was like a a battle between um, the administration and J. Edgar Hoover mm-hmm. at the time. So he didn't want it to come across like that. Yeah, I don't know if Trump would even know what the fuck that is, but um, he didn't want, you know, you know Comey, <laughs> sanctimonious choir boy that he mm-hmm. is. So four days later, the media reported that Comey briefed Trump on the Steele dossier, and BuzzFeed published it for the first time four days later. Trump called, uh, and the guy, I gotta say, the, the media was all over this. Uh, Washington Post, New York Times, all this stuff that is coming up in the report. It's a couple days later that we're getting this through public reporting, and, and that's just pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and that was why I was thought Priebus was the mole. Um, but four days later, the media reported that Comey briefed him. And then January 13th, the um, CISI, which is this. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence opened an inquiry into Russian interference. And then on January 25th, the HIPSI announced it's conducting an investigation into it. That's the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And February 2nd, the Senate Judiciary announced their investigation, all Republican-led, mind you. So three investigations open in Republican-led committees in Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, on to page 29, uh, Flynn's lies to the media, transition officials, and the FBI. So this is a fun section. On January 12th, Washington Post reported that Flynn and Kislyak spoke on the day Obama announced sanctions and wondered if he undercut the sanctions and if he had violated the letter or the spirit of the Logan Act. That's what Washington Post was wondering Mm -hmm. when they reported that. So what is the Logan Act? As we said, it's you can't act like you 
in the government when you're not in the government. Mm-hmm. You can't do stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's confusing for him because he had contacts well before he was even in the transition <laughs> period, right? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is just more of the usual for me, guys. Yeah. I'm this Michael This is irrespective Flynn. of whether or not I have a position here. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I've been doing this. <laughs> it's what I do. It's how I do. Uh, and uh, that is totally evident, too, when I think it was Isakov from Yahoo interviewed Flynn about his speaking engagements in Russia. And he's like, did Russia pay you to speak here? And he's like, you have to talk to my guy who takes my speaker money. <laughs> and he's like, well, you don't know if you were paid by Russia? He's like, yeah, you just talk to that guy. And he's like, OK, well, who's that guy? It's the guy who arranges my speaking. You know? <laughs> and you're like, all right, Flynn. Um, so in response to all this, Trump uh, called up Priebus and asked, what the hell, bro? Uh, and in turn, because this is um, the reporting, public reporting that Flynn and Kislyak spoke. So Trump called Priebus and said, what's going on? And in turn, Priebus called Flynn and told him Trump was mad. Flynn told Mueller he felt pressure to kill the story because the boss, quote unquote, was mad. And uh, the use of the word boss here was purposefully put in by Mueller, probably because it seems like a mob kind of, you know, thing. Right. Um, boss was in quotes. So Flynn told McFarlane to call the Washington Post and refute the story, and she made that call even though she knew it was a lie, and she told Mueller that. She's like, I made that call even though I I knew he did. Hmm. (laughs) Um, When Priebus and other incoming officials questioned Flynn, Flynn lied to them, saying he didn't discuss sanctions with Kislyak. And he repeated that claim to Pence and Spicy, Mm -hmm. um, Sean Spicer, who we call Spicy. Mm -hmm. And in subsequent media interviews, Flynn, Pence, Priebus, and Spicy all denied it um, based on those denials that mm-hmm. Flynn said, the conversations with Flynn. And that's weird, because Priebus knew it was a lie, even if Pence didn't. Uh, Priebus knew, and so did KT McFarland. Yeah, based on him being tasked by Trump to tell Flynn what the hell, because Trump knew it happened, so he would have had to have either believed... I'm trying to think of what argument he could have possibly made. There are arguments uh, that Mueller will make at the end of this uh, section that Trump likely didn't know. Mm. Or he couldn't get enough evidence. So what was he upset about then? Trump? Yeah. He was upset Just a bad look, that right? Flynn talked to the Russians. Right. Not specifically about sanctions, just the fact that he talked to the Russians at all. Right. Okay. Yep. Or, you know, maybe it was about sanctions. I don't know if Washington Post, I don't I haven't read that Washington Post article in a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. It might mention that they discussed sanctions, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Every time Trump finds out about these conversations, and he will eventually find out that they discuss sanctions, he, he's upset. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and because of those reasons, I think we'll find out in the end under intent that Trump might not have known. Um, but anyway, the public statements um, from the transition officials who you know, say that Flynn never spoke to Kislyak surprised Department of Justice officials because they knew mm-hmm. that he did. <laughs> And they didn't say why or how they knew, but I think it's because they actually intercepted those calls. Okay. Because so. he was already being monitored. Exactly. He was already, yeah, be, under or investigation. Or investigated at the very least. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so the DOJ is like, what? What? Why Why are Pence and Priebus and uh, Bannon, why are all these people saying um, that Flynn didn't talk to Kislyak? We know he did. Did Flynn tell them he didn't? That's weird. So those... Uh, at the, that, and that's the crux of this here. The Department of Justice officials were concerned that Flynn lied to the administration officials, who in turn lied to the press, creating a compromise situation for Flynn uh, with Russia, because the Department of Justice knew Russia could prove Flynn was lying. 
So the FBI also knew that Flynn's conversation and subsequent lies raised Logan Act issues that were relevant to their broader Russia investigation. Then uh, after Flynn was sworn in as National Security Advisor, after Trump was inaugurated, uh, Flynn was interviewed by the FBI and lied to them as well about both calls uh, to and from Kislyak because he called him and then Mm -hmm. Kislyak called him back. And then subsection four on page 31 That's about the Department of Justice officials notifying the White House that Flynn lied and was compromised. And we all know this story if you've been following Mueller, She Wrote, or you watch Maddow. On January 26th, Sally Yates, the acting attorney general, told McGahn that she needed to discuss a sensitive matter with him. And they met later that day. Um, And also Mary McCord from the Department of Justice was there. And James Burnham from the White House Counsel's Office was there. So um, that's who was at that meeting. And uh, Don McGahn and Sally Yates, of course. And she told them that Flynn lied to Pence and Spicer and was compromised by the Russians. But she didn't say he lied to the FBI. She did tell McGahn that he had told what he said to Pence and um, Spicer. He told the FBI the same thing, but never flatly, you know, admitted that he lied to the FBI. But McGahn came away from the meeting somehow thinking that she hadn't pinned him down on lying to the FBI. Uh, and then asked John Eisenberg, a legal advisor to the National Security Council, to examine potential legal issues raised by Flynn's FBI interview and conversations with Kislyak. So McGahn then told Trump uh, about it, and Trump asked him to repeat it, um, so he did. And then he told Trump that Flynn did not disclose having discussed sanctions with Kislyak and that there may not be a clear violation of 1001, Section 18, 1001, lying, right, to the FBI. The president asked what that was. <laughs> and so he explained he explained it to him. Uh, get used to it. <laughs> get used to what 1001 is, buddy. Uh, and he also explained to him what the Logan Act was. And this isn't in the report here, but I, I remember uh, reporting that McGahn or Eisenberg had actually Googled 1001 and the Logan Act, mm-hmm. right? Because they had evidence of that. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, at least they did their research, though. I am proud of them for that. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And Trump told McGahn to work with Priebus and Bannon uh, to look into the matter further and not discuss it with anyone else. And that's an important part. And Priebus told Mueller uh, that the president was angry with Flynn, saying, not again, this guy, this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. Another kind of clue that Trump might not yeah. have known, that uh, that that uh, someone had directed him. Yeah. So the big question becomes, who directed him? Yeah, it's interesting because at the time when all of this was dropping, especially when it was coming out that Pence was upset because he was lied to, because that was reported as a headline a lot, was like how Pence felt bamboozled. I was always thinking, there's no way they didn't know. Yeah, us too. Me too. Yeah, and so if it turns out that Trump didn't know, then it probably makes sense that Pence also didn't know. Right. And that that was legitimate. Yeah, that could be totally true. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it seems to, at least there's not enough evidence here. And, 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 and. Mueller will explain later that these actions sort of dictate that um, because Trump wouldn't be mad or surprised by this reporting if he had directed it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, and it, the, he, he gets into it pretty, pretty heavy mm-hmm. in the intent part of uh, the analysis at the end. So that same night, Trump told McGahn to work with Priebus and not tell anybody um, and look into it. And Priebus told, you know, all that stuff that that evening. And this is new to me. The president dined with top advisors and asked what they thought about Comey. According to Dan Coats, no one openly advocated firing Comey, but the consensus was not positive. Hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, on to and page, who all would have been there? 
Uh, top advisors: Bannon, Priebus, uh, Pence. Maybe I don't okay, know. Well, Pence only sense. dines with mother. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> jerks, yeah. bunch of dicks. Yeah, it okay. makes sense. At least it's not like the the heads of. I mean, I guess yeah, the heads of intelligence agencies are not advisors. So good to know that there's nobody there that would have. Well, Coates was there. Yes, except for that yeah. whole guy that <laughs> runs everything. Yeah, the the link of communications between all of the intelligence agencies. Right, but he was handpicked. I mean, yeah, how else would you do it? I don't think you get, like, nominated by senators or congressmen or anything, right? You have to be yeah. confirmed. Right. You're nominated and confirmed. Right, but yeah. nominated by the president. Yeah. I'm trying to think back uh, to any ridiculous things he may have said that would out him as a Trump appointee, <laughs> specifically before. He's never liked him, so I, that's why I was wondering if he was a holdover. Coates was announced as then-president-elect Donald Trump's nominee for the position, January 5th, 2017. Hmm. So yeah, that's a Coates is a Trump dude. Yeah. Okay, on to page 32 and subsection 5 about McGahn's follow-up meeting about Flynn with Yates and Trump's dinner with Comey. Uh, oh, so here's, here's the Google stuff that I was talking about before. Uh, January 27th, McGahn and Eisenberg discussed the results of Eisenberg's research into the Espionage Act and the Logan Act. That's the Google part. Or, and 1001. Uh, and he told McGahn that Flynn may have violated 1001, Section 18, and the Logan Act, but that no one had been prosecuted under the Logan Act, and Flynn could have a, some defenses for that. He also, did, they didn't say which ones, but he also told him that it was like unlikely that they'd charge him with the Logan Act violation, given the circumstances. That same day, McCann, McGahn called Yates back to the White House, and that's when Yates told him she brought this up so that the White House would actually take action. Mm -hmm. uh, McGahn asked her for access to the underlying information that the Department of Justice had on Flynn's discussion with Kislyak, mm -hmm. likely the, the phone calls. Yeah. Um, also, that same day, Trump invited Comey to dinner for the evening. Priebus warned him not to talk about Russia, no matter what, and McGahn had previously told Trump not to communicate directly with the Department of Justice. Bannon suggested that he and Priebus attend, but Trump said no. And Comey was also surprised when he saw a table for two. Remember, remember Comey's book, when he this, walks yeah. in, he's like, oh, God. <laughs> just you and I. Oh, like, no. <laughs> no, what's up? It's like a worst Tinder date. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so this, uh, so this very sexy dinner, Comey took notes on this meeting and said uh, Trump brought up Comey's future repeatedly, and it seemed that he wanted Comey to ask to keep his job, which is like a weird sort of mob thing again, right? Mm -hmm. Like, your future, huh? let's think about your future, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and, and Comey read that as, he wants me to ask to keep mm -hmm. my job. Um, so Trump also told, because that, that would be an in for him to say, you can have it, but if you're loyal, you know, that would be his his gateway into the loyalty ask but Comey didn't fall for it and Trump also told, Com told Comey he was thinking about having the FBI investigate the p-tape allegations to prove they were false and Comey said that's a bad idea dummy because uh, saying that would make it look like you're under investigation mm -hmm. and you're not so Trump also told Comey that Flynn has serious judgment issues so this is another instance of Trump kind of bashing Flynn a little bit for you know finding out he talked to Kislyak mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, he has Flynn has some judgment issues. No argument here. Um, then came the loyalty ask. So he couldn't he couldn't trap Comey into asking for his job. So he just asked him outright. I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Comey didn't respond, and Trump brought up his future again, and then said he needed loyalty. And Comey responded, "You'll get honesty. You'll always get honesty from me." And Trump said, "That's what I want. Honest loyalty." <laughs> and Comey said, "Fine." 
you will get that from me. Like, almost just like, whatever, dude. Can I go home now? Yeah. Can you imagine, God, how bad we want the check in that scenario? I know. This is a public restaurant they're eating at? No, they were in the Oval Office with a table set up for two. Oh, God. That's so weirdly romantic. I know. (laughs) In the Oval Office. I didn't even know they ate in there. It was just weird. I feel like that's like a backseat of a brand new car situation yeah like, it might no one bring any fucking peanuts i want nothing in here it's i might be right immaculate. it might not have been the oval office it might have been the presidential dining room it was like the red room or something yeah yeah something sexy okay. like that okay. yeah. super sexy Ooh, yes. oh yeah <laughs> barry white comes <laughs> in <The> curtains <laughs> <laughs> so um <laughs> candelabras <laughs> Wouldn't be our guest, Bea. <laughs> so, this is what he's been spending all the money on. <laughs> yeah, he's really Making into candlestick the sentient. <laughs> <laughs> Look what the DOD did for me. <laughs> Candle robots. I've always wanted this. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> Calls up. <laughs> Fucking mad as hey. <laughs> Do you think you can make some candle robots in a teapot talk yeah. for me? The whole PR guest number, but all they do is serve McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually people in suits because, the, you know, they're like, no, we don't have that technology. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so when when reports of this dinner and the loyalty ask came out, the president lied to the public saying he never asked for loyalty and that Comey asked for the dinners because he wanted to keep his job. Uh, Mueller says there's mountainous evidence showing that this is bullshit. He asked for loyalty, mountainous evidence he asked for loyalty, and the presidential daily diary shows Trump asked for the dinner, not Comey. <laughs> the daily diary for yeah. the president? That's cute. <laughs> Dear diary. Are you there, God? It's me, Trump. Never, never yeah, happened. God's like, nope. Nope. <laughs> la, 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 la. Sorry, not home. Washing my beard. <laughs> God's not home. Ding dong. No. <laughs> So uh, anyway, uh, the presidential daily diary shows Trump asked for the dinner and senior FBI officials corroborated Comey's notes on what occurred because he told them about it as well. Uh, what's not mentioned is who those seniors officials assume who those senior officials are. But we know we've called them the Comey five and there ended up being six. Uh, that's why you listen to Mueller. She wrote uh, those people are Bowditch, Gaddis, James Baker, uh, Bente is the sixth. Uh, McCabe and Rubicki. That sounds right. Yeah, I think the Jackson Five ended up being six too at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, and there was there's, a fifth Beetle. There's overlap there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's always a plus one scandal. So. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> so that's who those folks are. Those are the top FBI officials. So when you see that mentioned in the report, the top FBI officials who also corroborated the these because Com- Comey didn't only take these contemporaneous notes. He told the FBI mm-hmm. officials too, and the FBI officials corroborated exactly what Comey told them without seeing his notes. And, you know, they all have the same, exact same story. Mm-hmm. And he, they did that for on purpose. So be, just for this reason, for this very thing. And then on to page 36 and Flynn's resignation, right? This section is about those weird 18 days after mm-hmm. Yates told McGahn Flynn was compromised and wanted the White House to act uh, up until he left the day before Valentine's Day. So on February 2nd, Eisenberg prepped a memo about Flynn, but didn't think he had enough information to make a recommendation to Trump. Uh, Eisenberg and McGahn thought it was unlikely Flynn would be prosecuted under the Logan Act, and they didn't have enough info to know if, if Flynn had lied to the FBI because Yates didn't come out and tell him that directly. So, they, but she's like, "This, he's compromised. You have to do this." Why do you think she didn't? Sorry to interrupt you. Why do you think she didn't tell them that about the FBI about lying to the FBI? 
because he was probably going to be under investigation too, harm to an ongoing investigation ah. and also <clears throat> a potential subject or target. You know, it would totally. be like telling car thief number two that car thief number one is under investigation. Yeah. You know, it's like interesting to protect future prosecution, I would assume. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no worries. Um, and and this is weird, too. They didn't discuss Sally Yates's biggest concern that Flynn was compromised because he lied and Russians knew it. They didn't talk about that at all. They were only worried if they could get him on lying and if they could get him on the Logan actor espionage. Didn't talk once one iota about the fact that he's compromised by the Russians, that he lied and the Russians know it. Um, so that's weird because of just public reporting. Yeah, basically. Or, yeah, and all. And to be fair, they had asked for the underlying materials, like the the recorded calls, um, mm-hmm. but they didn't get them. So maybe they didn't think that he was compromised. But mm-hmm. Yates told them he was compromised, and maybe they just didn't believe her because it's a lady. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, classic, <laughs> classic lady stuff. So the week of February sixth. Uh, Flynn met with Trump to discuss it all, called him into the principal's office, and Trump was pretty mad at him. He asked Flynn what he talked about to Kislyak, like what what was that about? And Flynn said they might have talked about sanctions. <laughs> uh, and this is fucking weird because McFarland and and we we just were talking about this, Jordan, who McFarland was with Trump at Mar-a-Lago, knew Flynn was going to talk to Kislyak about sanctions. And there was that whole he, that was the whole reason for the call. And then Flynn told her he did after he did. And he told a bunch of other campaign transition team members as well. He even took credit for it, told Spicy, told Priebus. There's, I, we kept thinking there's no way Trump doesn't know, right? But here's Trump in the Oval Office saying, what the fuck? And, and Mueller got, this inf- got the information about the Trump meeting with Flynn from Flynn in late 2017, according to the footnotes. So you have to wonder, was Flynn lying to Mueller or did Trump not know? Um, but Mueller does make a pretty good case for Trump not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just seems hard to me that he wouldn't. And who did direct him to make those calls if if not Trump? Yeah, it's pretty convincing that Trump wouldn't know something. Oh, that's so, true. I side with yeah, Mueller on true. that. Not a hard thing to believe. Could they have been wrapped up in the other dealings he was doing that was going to result in him getting his own capital out of the deals? Yeah, Like I don't maybe know. some Turkey-Russia connection or something? Yeah, maybe um, that might be... Something to consider, too, because Flynn was working with IP3, Bud McFarlane. KT McFarlane is is, uh, Bud McFarlane's protege trying Mm -hmm. to put together this uh, deal with giving nuclear reactors to Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. that you have to lower sanctions on Russia in order to build Mm -hmm. because and not just that, because you have to get them to back off Iran or whatever or to go against Iran because they were pro Iran. And so maybe that was Flynn. Doing, acting on his own, being like, I got to save my Marshall Plan. And so I'm going to tell the Russians we're coming in and we don't want sanctions, knowing that Trump didn't want the sanctions either. Yeah. So it could be that, too. Yeah. It's like his baby, right? The Marshall Plan. Yeah, it's Flynn's yeah, baby. It's like Flynn Jr. The real Flynn, Flynn Jr. baby. <laughs> yeah, the oh, real yeah. Flynn Jr., please stand Barracks, up. too. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Tom Barrick. It, oh, if Flynn and Barrick had a baby, it'd be the Marshall Plan. <laughs> <laughs> it would be 18 nuclear reactors in the Middle East. <laughs> There's got to be communications between Flynn and Barrick. Yeah, and I mean, we have the text messages, too, um, and so I think that's going to be all part of the investigation. And then, you know, you put Barrick in the inaugural, and it's like, oh, well, maybe that's where all that money went. Yeah. So, or at least donations came mm-hmm. from. Like, where did they come from? I can't wait to see. It is under investigation now. So, um, anyway, here's where McCabe comes into the story. McBabe. Um, so, February 9th, 
Washington Post reported that Flynn discussed sanctions with Kislyak the month before the president took office. And this is where the public reporting comes out, Jordan, so we can be clear, because uh, you'd asked this earlier. Mm -hmm. This is when the public reporting said that they talked about sanctions. Mm. Uh, and then Pence learned about Sally Yates telling the White House about Flynn's calls. And at that point, Pence and the other advisors sought and got access to the underlying information about Flynn's contacts with Kislyak. McCabe was there when they reviewed it and recalled them asking uh, if Flynn's conduct violated the Logan Act. And McCabe says he didn't know, but the FBI was investigating that because it's a possibility. Mm -hmm. uh, McGann and Priebus concluded, though, that Flynn had lied about his conversations with Kislyak to the team. And this is new. Flynn told White House officials the FBI told him they were closing out their investigations into him, which was also a lie. What the hell? And that's why they decided to fire Flynn. So he was saying that to try to save himself from getting fired? Yeah, something? yeah, because Flynn told the White House officials that the FBI said, oh, he, yeah, like, don't worry, guys, this is about to blow over. When they came in and talked to me, <laughs> that wasn't a thing. They were telling me that they're closing the investigation. That's wow. so funny. To save his job. He's got to get that Marshall Plan. Yeah. That's ever, I think that was his whole goal, you know? Interesting. And I guess he wasn't yet at the point when he wanted to divulge that whole plan to Donald Trump and tell him, trust me, this is going to be better for all of us. Yeah, except I think there are Seth Abramson uh, proof of conspiracy cited meetings with people from the Trump administration mm -hmm. uh, back in as early as 2015. But I don't know how, when and how it got all the way up to Trump. Yeah. Uh, on February 12th, the president asked Flynn if he had lied to Pence. And Flynn said he didn't think so. <laughs> he may have fine lie. He may have forgotten details mm -hmm. of the calls. <laughs> uh, the next day, Priebus told Flynn he had to resign. And Flynn was sad. He wanted a bye-bye hug. So Priebus took him to the Oval Office. And get this. The president hugged him and said, we'll give you a good recommendation. You're a good guy. We'll take care of you. Hmm. Wow. We'll Pardon? take care of Omarosa you. did not get that treatment. No, she was handed a box and said, pack half your stuff and get the fuck out. Actually, yeah, only half because they still have the other half. <laughs> yeah, they still have five boxes of her emails or whatever. <laughs> According to Omarosa. Just sure. note. Uh, on page 38, subsection 7, Trump discussed, uh, this, this is called Trump discusses Flynn with Comey. And on February 14th, the day after Flynn's resignation, happy Valentine's Day, Trump had lunch with Chris Christie. Uh, and told him that f since Flynn is gone, the Russia thing's over. And Christie said, no way, dude. The, this, the Russia thing is far from over. And we'll be here on Valentine's Day next year talking about this. Ooh. And Trump asked, what do you mean? And if, uh, Flynn met with the Russians. That was the problem. I fired Flynn. It's over. <laughs> and Christie told him there was no way uh, to make an investigation shorter, but there are lots of ways to make them longer. <laughs> And he advised Trump to never talk about the investigation and told him that he'd never be able to get rid of Flynn. It would be like gum on the bottom of his shoe. Wow. This is definitely like a scene in the Mueller movie. Yeah. Where they're sitting at, I imagine it's a beach shore lunch. But like, oh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Chris Christie with, with his big like Hawaiian shirt on, yeah, the sunglasses. Like, oh, it's, it's never going to be over. <laughs> it's yeah. Gum, it's gum on your shoe, man. These are, these are like movie scenes in my head, the they, way that they're written. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. They totally are. And this is interesting to me because later when Trump would say why he fired Comey. He said he thought it would make the investigation longer. He remember he was like, I did it even though I knew we could even make the investigation longer. And that's probably because Christie told him. That's how sure of it I was. Yeah, because <laughs> Christie told him, you can't make them shorter, bro. You can only make them longer. He's like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot that you told me that until mm -hmm. after. 
and he just seemed to be quoting Chris Christie right there. I could be totally wrong. That's just a space beans. So Trump told Christie to call Comey and tell him that he liked him. <laughs> hey, give Comey a call. Tell him I like him. <laughs> Christie said, yeah, sure. And he never fucking did. He, he was told Mueller. He's like, that's stupid. I'm not yeah. doing that. What connection does Christie have to Mueller? <clears throat> um, not Mueller. Comey. Oh, got it. Yeah. Sorry. Mul- uh, Trump told Christie to call Comey. Did I say Mueller? I think so. Damn. Unless I misheard that. To call Comey and and be like, hey, I, I heard Comey, but yeah, yeah. I, oh, I still think it's right. juvenile. Like for him to be like, call him for me and tell him I like him. It sounds like some middle school shit, right? It, it is. and But it has a purpose and it will come back to bite him in the butt because at 4 p.m. that afternoon, the president met with a few people in the Oval Office <clears throat> and they cleared everyone out but Comey. Uh, and set and you remember Sessions and Kush tried to stick around, but then he shoot him out. Yeah, yeah. And then at some point, I didn't know this, but this is a great movie scene. So they're in there by themselves, like Sessions and and Kushner want to stay, and he's like, "No, everybody get out." So they get out, and then like a minute later, Priebus sticks his head in the door. Uh-huh, yeah, like the <laughs> and meerkat. Trump's like, "Get out of here!" Like, <laughs> oh god, god you really fuck funny. everything up when you're alone. That's so fun. <laughs> right. Like, hey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think of the uh, Austin Powers scene where Dr. Evil is like kicking everyone out or like firing everyone, but then he like kind of does it backwards and then just leaves Mini Me there yeah, yeah. to be fired by himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I imagine Jeff Sessions feels like Mini Me a little bit. <laughs> totally. <laughs> or the kid, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so Trump, get the same hair. Um, Trump, <laughs> but yeah, that whole thing about uh, Trump's crazy Trump. son. Yeah. yeah. Seth, Seth Green. Chocolate Seth ass cream. <laughs> yeah. So when Trump um, told Christie to call Comey that, and say that he liked him, he did this a few other times, and and you'll you'll hear it pop up. And he's doing it because he doesn't want Comey to say anything bad about him, right? That's just like one, of, and he does it with uh, he does it with a lot of different people too, right? He it's does still it a strange Flynn, call with, to make, yeah, yeah. It's but he does it a lot. It's funny. It'll pop up again. You'll you'll laugh, um, and so. Anyway, Priebus sticks his head in the door. <laughs> Trump's like, get out of here. Um, that's when Trump asked Comey to let the Flynn thing go. right? And Comey wrote contemporaneous notes about this one, too, and told his FBI senior officials, the Comey Five, about, about it as well. And he testified under oath that that's what happened. Comey also asked Sessions, don't ever leave me alone with Trump again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, I remember that. And then next in subsection eight on page 41 about the media questions surrounding the delay in firing Flynn that 18 days. Remember, we were all like, why did he wait so long on February? This doesn't answer the question. It's a weird section. It just says on February 15th, Trump told the press he thought Flynn was a good guy and the media was treating him unfairly. And the next day during a press conference, he said he fired Flynn because he lied to Pence, but didn't mention that Flynn lied to him. He also said he didn't direct Flynn to talk to Kislyak, but he would have. Uh, and he reiterated he had nothing to do with Russia or WikiLeaks. And that's the end of that section. I don't see how that section describes uh, why mm-hmm. Why was 18 a delay. days. Yeah, I yeah. keep trying to figure out what happened those days. And I think basically, uh, maybe what Mueller's saying here is in response to the media's questioning about why it took so long, this is what Trump was doing in mm-hmm. response to those media reports, not necessarily the answer for why it took so long, just the how you know why he was re- or how he responded to the reports, mm-hmm. and subsection nine on page forty two. This is a big deal. This is about Trump asking KT McFarland to create a false record denying he direct denying Trump directed Flynn to call Kislyak, and the chronology of these events is important because on February twenty second, Priebus and Bannon told McFarland Trump wanted her out as Deputy National Security Advisor, 
but that he was thinking about making her the ambassador to Singapore. Thinking about making just, hey, just mm-hmm. letting you know, <laughs> you're up for consideration to be the ambassador to Singapore. And this isn't in the report, but I think she would have wanted that position because the ambassador of Singapore was one of the four ambassadors at the Mayflower meeting, uh, which was about the Middle East Marshall Plan, um, and that, you know, Bud McFarlane pretty much installed her uh, under Flynn, and, and that Flynn and KT McFarlane were super for the for the Marshall Plan. So I thought it was interesting that he offered the ambassadorship yeah. to Singapore. That makes me feel like Trump at this point knew about the Middle East Marshall Plan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or at least remembered that the Singapore guy was there, and he's so dumb he doesn't know why. Yeah, or someone told him, hey, you should recommend her, or you should put her as the ambassador to Singapore. And he's like, sure, whatever. That's true, Bud McFarlane could have told Yeah, told he's him a to do puppet. That. Yeah. Is Singapore important because, or are they infested because a lot of goods go through there? I'd have to look up why yeah, they're part of the I grand bargain, the, why they're part of the grand bargain, yeah. or why they're important to the Middle East Marshall Plan. But they were one of only four ambassadors: Spain, mm-hmm. Italy, Singapore, and uh, somewhere else. That actually it was just three that were at that um, Mayflower meeting. So I know it's important to the Marshall Plan. I would have to look up why. Uh, so anyway, um, the very next day, the president asked Priebus to have McFarland draft an internal email that would confirm the president did not direct Flynn to call Kislyak about sanctions. Priebus said he would only direct her to do so if she were comfortable with it. So he, he basically asked her and McFarland said she didn't know if Trump directed Flynn to call Kislyak about sanctions. And I think this is weird because... If McFarland didn't know if Trump directed him to call Kislyak, that makes it sound like McFarland didn't know who directed him to call Kislyak. But McFarland is the one who called him and they talked about calling Kislyak. So unless Flynn told McFarland he was doing, unless it was all Flynn's idea, which is kind of the only thing that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaning toward this all being Flynn's idea. Yeah, like a puppet master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a hustler. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's been on this since 2015, as we know, right? So that's kind of what my feeling is. Those are beans. We don't know for sure. But what they're getting at here is that Trump didn't direct it. Um, and But McFarland says she doesn't know if Trump directed it or not, so she's not comfortable writing that uh, email. So she declined to say yes or no. She didn't say no. She said, I'm not going to say yes or no to that request. Um, Priebus recommended she talk to attorneys in the White House counsel's office since she seemed to be uncomfortable with the request. Uh, Eisenberg advised against it. And McFarlane wrote her own contemporaneous memo because she was concerned about the president's request. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, an email would be awkward. Like, why would she send that email just out of the blue? Like, oh, hey, I was thinking about this today. Um, yeah, I you know, Trump didn't uh, direct Flint. Like, it's just a weird, oh, hey, by the way, yeah, yeah, definitely to send if it's not in response to something, right? Um, and so she, and she didn't know if Trump directed Flynn to call Kislyak. And finally, she didn't want her ambassadorship to Singapore to look like like it was yeah quid pro quo paid for in yeah. some way. Yeah. And later that evening, Priebus stopped by her office and said, don't write the email. Forget I mentioned it. Hmm. <laughs> what? Okay. All right. Took that off the table. <clears throat> Around the same time, and probably I'm, I'm guessing Priebus went and said to Trump, like, you can't dangle an ambassadorship, ask for, for her to do something that's weird, and then you you can't do that. And so maybe Trump was like, all right, don't write the email, and tried to figure out a different way. Around the same time, Trump told Priebus to call Flynn and remind him that they really care about him. <laughs> There's another one. And Priebus thought Trump didn't want Flynn to say anything bad. 
that's what Priebus, that's how Priebus took it. Like he was just kind of trying to keep Flynn. Hey, you're my guy. You're my buddy. We'll take care of you. Be nice. You know, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And on March 31st, after finding out Flynn was going to testify in exchange for immunity, Trump tweeted, Flynn should ask for immunity in that this is a witch hunt by media and Dems of historical proportion. And in March or April, Trump asked McFarland to send his love to Flynn uh, and and the message to stay strong. So mm. that just doesn't make any sense because that's contradictory <clears throat> against the theory that Trump didn't know about these things and Flynn was doing things behind Trump's back that inevitably gave him a big headache. So why would he come out in support of him? And there, would, yeah, yeah. You think he would just be like, "Yeah, fuck this guy. He's been lying and made my life a pain in the ass." <laughs> but instead, he did the opposite. Yes, and Mueller, uh, in the analysis, talks about what Trump's motivation could be for that, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting mm-hmm. because there is evidence, and then there is not enough in other areas. And as we know, Mueller doesn't make any decisions as to whether there's definitely enough evidence to charge a crime. So we're all just sort of like, oh, yeah. here's the evidence. Is it enough? Is it not? And that's you know, you see some of those charts where they have check marks for. Um, the act, the obstructive act, the mm-hmm. nexus, and then the intent. And some of them have all three check marks. Some of them only have two. Some of them only have one. That was gone through by, um, you know, former federal prosecutors and experts. And so I think in this particular obstructive act, they decided that this didn't meet the intent requirements. But there was some underlying intent, just not enough to, at least in the minds of these prosecutors, get that third piece of, of the, you know, criminal requirements elements you need to charge obstruction yeah well especially now that we know the threshold is literally a correspondence from trump or something that has like directly you know coordinating things (laughs) and with russians it's like nothing's gonna come about yeah exactly um so after he said this this sent the stay strong stay strong message to flynn we get to page 44, and this is Mueller's analysis um, of Trump's conduct related to the Flynn investigation. And here, like we said, is where he lays out the evidence um, and what evidence is relevant to the three elements of criminal obstruction of justice. For underpants A, the obstructive act, that's sub subsection A, we call it underpants A, Mueller had to prove that Comey's account of Trump asking him to let the Flynn thing go was accurate. Uh, he said he said, right? Because Trump was saying he didn't do it, Comey was saying he did. And if so, if he did it, whether Trump's statements impeded the administration of justice by shutting down an inquiry that could result in a grand jury investigation or a criminal charge. So Mueller determined that uh, there was substantial evidence corroborating Comey's account. First, Comey wrote his memo about it. Uh, He told the Comey Five what happened. Their recollections matched Comey. Second, Comey testified under oath and all of his accounts remained consistent. Third, everyone corroborated that Trump shooed everyone out of the Oval Office meeting with Comey um, and that the president's decision to clear the room signaled that Trump wanted to be alone with Comey, which is consistent with the message Comey said Trump delivered. He wouldn't have shooed everybody out of the room if he was just going to be like, I like your tie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then finally, Comey's behavior after the loyalty ask is consistent with having been asked to let it go. No, not the loyalty ask, to let it go, uh, to let the Flynn investigation go. So the way Comey reacted after after that happened, meaning Comey wouldn't have met with the FBI leadership and told them about it. He wouldn't have taken his contemporaneous notes. He wouldn't have told the FBI leadership to keep it under wraps so they wouldn't be influenced by Trump's request. And he wouldn't have met with Sessions to ask him to be left alone, uh, to not be left alone with mm-hmm. Trump if Trump hadn't asked him to let the Flynn thing go. 
So Mueller says here that Sessions and Jody Hunt corroborated that Comey asked him not to be left alone. So that really did happen. And so all, all these little behaviors uh, from Comey indicate that it wasn't just a I like your tie conversation. Mm -hmm. Another consideration is Trump's language, since he didn't directly ask Comey to end the Flynn investigation. But Mueller determined, and this puts this to bed forever, because we were wondering about the language, uh, that by saying he hoped Comey could let the Flynn thing go, Mueller says the president was asking Comey to close the investigation into Flynn. Yeah. He was. Yeah. But then don't you need something that would show that if the investigation continued, it could potentially hurt him, like improve that he had some sort of protection like he needed some sort of protection and that's what motivated him to do that because otherwise isn't he allowed to do that technically yes but and that'll be the in the intent section oh yes yeah. thank you no problem <laughs> your questions are wonderful because the way that they come up it's like hey yes they're answered because this is when when we're all reading this report because i was like hey what about the googling of the Logan Act, and then a paragraph later, there it is. And I'm like, hey, what about this other thing? And then, like, right later, there it's right there. So you're, I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> uh, so underpants B on page 46 is about a nexus to a proceeding. And the second element, this is the second element of criminal obstruction of justice. To establish a nexus to a proceeding, Mueller would need to prove that Trump could reasonably foresee and actually contemplated that the investigation of Flynn was likely to lead to a grand jury investigation or prosecution. Exactly what you were just asking. And Mueller says the evidence shows that he did because McGahn told Trump Flynn lied to Pence and made similar statements to the FBI. So, yep, mm -hmm. there's the nexus. And then finally, in, in, on intent, and, and this also touches on what you were saying, Mueller says here that he examined whether Trump had a personal stake in the outcome of a Flynn investigation. Uh, and he actually used the term personal stake, so mm -hmm. that's, that's great. Um, some evidence exists showing the president, some evidence exists showing the president knew about the existent, existence and content of Flynn's calls with Kislyak. But the evidence is inconclusive. Hmm. McFarland did not recall telling Trump about the calls, nor did Flynn or Bannon. And since Trump asked Flynn about the conversations, Mueller could not establish Trump knew about them. Uh, that sucks. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's just people could just lie anyway, and there'd be no way to fact check them. Yeah, that's white collar crime for you. <laughs> but he's also going by people's behaviors. And this is really uh, kind of a cool way to look at it. As much as I hate the outcome, I hate the, the like, I, I, I wanted him to know. And here's, this is cool. The, the evidence also does not, I mean, it's not cool. <laughs> it's interesting. The evidence does not establish that Flynn possessed information damaging to the president that would give Trump personal incentive to end the FBI's inquiry into the Flynn's conduct. Whoa. I know. Right? Is that why Bill Clinton's scandal went further than this? It was like a more personal thing? Because they're claiming that there wasn't an incentive that was personal to Trump. Right. But I don't know. Being caught for conspiracy is pretty personal, you would think. True. But this is just one tiny aspect. Right? Okay, that's the fair. Flynn stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the Flynn and, stuff. And yeah. just that Flynn possessed information damaging. The evidence doesn't show that Flynn possessed information damaging to the president. Yeah. That um, could be discovered through investigations. Right. Like, what was it that Trump's like, don't talk to the, yeah. you know, because Trump was definitely don't talk to the press, don't say anything bad, we'll take care of you. But there was no evidence, not that it doesn't exist, but there was no evidence that Flynn had something on Trump or Flynn knew what Trump did, you know, or Flynn saw Trump do something. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that um, <clears throat> that, that Mueller could find. So, But the evidence 
does establish that Trump connected Flynn to the broader FBI investigation into Russia. So, so basically what they're saying here is that they had a hard time proving intent on this particular obstructive act mm-hmm. because the investigation into Flynn uh, wouldn't necessarily harm Trump. Right. But the broader investigation into the Russia investigation, right. which Flynn is connected to, um, could... Uh, and and there is evidence that Trump connected those things. Yes, it could be. Yeah, the Flynn investigation could be a breadcrumb trail to larger revelations. Indeed, yeah. the broader FBI investigation into Russia, and and this is evident because he told Chris Christie that by firing Flynn, he would stop the whole Russia thing, <laughs> and Christie told mm-hmm. him no, it would not. So Mueller also sought uh, evidence assessing whether Trump's direction to Comey was motivated by sympathy for Flynn. And he determined that Trump's reluctance to fire him did not stem from personal regard, sympathy for Flynn. Like, I, he's a nice guy. I don't want to fire him. Rather, it came from a concern about negative press. And Priebus indicated that Trump's post-firing support of Flynn wasn't out of love. It was to keep him from saying anything bad about Trump. Mm-hmm. Simple hmm. press, bad press. Uh, and the Damn. way, yeah. And the way Trump communicated the request to Comey was also relevant to intent. And Mueller says here at the bottom of page 47 that even though he was advised not to, uh, Trump cleared the room and spoke to Comey alone. And Trump later denied he cleared the room, a denial that wouldn't have been necessary if he believed his request to clear the room was a proper exercise of prosecutorial discretion. So he, he knew what he was about to ask was wrong. So that goes toward intent. So here's so that like the evidence we were talking about before says we didn't have enough to prove this intent. But this does. This shows he knew what he was doing was wrong when he asked Comey to let the investigation go. So that goes towards intent. And finally, Mueller mentions Trump asking McFarland to write the email denying Trump directed Flynn to speak with Kislyak about sanctions. And that highlights Trump's concern about being associated with Flynn's conduct. But the evidence did not establish Trump was trying to make McFarland lie but it was sufficiently weird that McFarlane wouldn't do it and felt the need to draft a memo about it and mm-hmm. was concerned it would look like a quid pro quo. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, <clears throat> I think this is one of the incidents that maybe you'd have a hard time proving intent. You definitely have nexus to uh, a proceeding. And you <laughs> yes. definitely have an obstructive act. Yeah. But proving that Trump was trying to shut down the investigation for his own personal and private personal benefit, the only there is only a little bit of evidence. He does have evidence to show that he understands it's connected to the broader Russia investigation. But all these other little things, he couldn't, he didn't, Mueller didn't have enough evidence to, you know, for example, establish that Trump knew that um, Flynn or directed Flynn to call Kislyak or that he directed um, or, and that was why he directed McFarland to lie in the email. So, it's sort of up in the air, but it makes total sense to me. Yeah. You know, I've actually been talked into believing that Trump might not have known about the Flynn Kislyak calls. Yeah. At least this thing. And then Pence not knowing either makes a lot more sense now. I was really skeptical about that, too. Yeah. We were all like, Pence is totally in on it. Right. I, he I mean, might he, not might, have he might not be totally in on it, but like a little bit. But it seems to me now, and I'm kind of with you on this, Jaleesa, that this was Flynn's thing. Flynn was doing it. And, and that could have been why. And, you know, we've we haven't seen a lot of the unredacted parts of this report, but Judge Sullivan has. And that could be why they wanted to charge Flynn with treason. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and 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 so we, you know, maybe we need to, you know, rethink our Trump treason in this situation. And it's Flynn. Flynn is the ultimate bad guy. It seems. Yeah, the ringleader. So far, at least. And he didn't want to make the boss mad, so there is still someone above him. Is that Putin or is it Trump that he was referring to in that statement? When well, Flynn said he didn't want to make the boss mad, so he, he... Oh, that was a... Yeah, Priebus telling him you didn't you know didn't want to make the boss mad. Oh, that was Priebus' Flynn, quote. Flynn, yeah, thought he didn't want to make the boss mad. That was Trump. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. And, and, and there would be a good reason for Flynn not wanting to make Trump mad, because if he's a national security advisor, he's going to have a lot easier time implementing his Marshall Plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all 18 days of that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a Scaramucci and a half. Oh, yeah. So that's quite a tenure in this White House. So that's it, guys. That's uh, part 12. Any final thoughts? Any um, Earlier, we, we talked about the how many guns per American. I was Googling it, and it's every 100 Americans, there's 122 guns. So Got not it. every one person. Ah, okay. Still scary, Got but it. not as scary. Totally. Yeah, yeah. 122 for every 100. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Just, just thinking about how densely concentrated the guns in america have to be for that to be true mm-hmm. and also spread out through all the rural areas as well but i well yeah i guess densely populated in the rural areas yeah yeah Because in the city i don't i mean it's just i guess the friends that i have in the company that i know but none of us have guns i know no, maybe right. like three people in my life that have guns yes seven percent right. of americans own 90 percent of the guns right or something like that it's, it's like, like the, the wealth it's like the opposite <laughs> of bernie sanders oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> top 10 one tenth one percent yep. gun owners there's yes. gun inequality in How this country this? <laughs> there is a gun gap i'm down <laughs> yeah i'm down for the second amendment if the government issues everybody one rifle every and baby that's all you every get woman, <laughs> every woman <laughs> yeah. everybody gets one and it's a 1973 single Musket. action yeah, <laughs> I want the musket dibs. And it's rusty. It's like something yeah. from a garage sale. Yeah, they're like, look, in the future, if you want to rise up against us, here's a head start. Mm-hmm. Not really. <laughs> no yeah. one can get more than one. This is gonna be crazy because, like, the first Civil War, they had muskets. It took a long time for them to do their thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That yeah. problem does not exist now. Nope. I learned you can buy an AR-15 style automatic weapon at Walmart. Yeah. You sure can. That is so fucked up. Yeah, when I heard about the shootings, I was like, oh, they buy the gun there and then just start shooting. But I guess he he bought it somewhere else, you know, obviously. But it was still just the thought. I was like, yeah, Walmart is one of the merchants. If you're listening to this in the future, 2085, uh, we're in a... Awful mass shooting. If you're st- if the planet is still here, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Florida is still no, uh, basically we've 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 had a bunch of mass shootings, but we specifically had three like right in a row, and uh, it looks like some Republicans are actually coming on board now um, for some common sense gun reform. But it's a big problem uh, mm-hmm. right now. For sure. So. Hopefully, we'll get past it, even if the world has to kind of end first. <clears throat> but we should put Mosher on vinyl, yeah, so that we can like you know be like listen to. Actually, the vinyl will wear out before the digital stuff does. I know. I know. The internet's forever. If the power (laughs) grids go down, we got to find a way to pass on the message. We'll make one of those Voyager uh, gold records. Oh, golden records. Yeah, Yeah. I saw an Onion article that said Aliens still hasn't listened to the whole record. Like, they skip (laughs) over certain sounds, like bird chirping. They skip that track. (laughs) They just listen to track one over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, just the baby crying track. (laughs) That's fucking funny. I love the Onion. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and again, next time we'll go over part C, volume two, um, section two. This is the president's reaction to public confirmation of the FBI Russia investigation. It's page 48 to 61. 
So uh, read up on that, do your homework, and we will see you next Thursday. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. They might be giants have been on the road for too long. Too long. And they might be giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now they might be giants are playing their breakthrough album Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop They Might Be Giants and their liberal rock agenda? Who? No one. This happens to pay for with somebody else's money. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.